last week we just started, last week we just started a new series entitled Kingdom Builders. It's time to engage. We're a discipleship church. We, we disciple, um, when it comes to my gifting, I would say that I lean more towards a teacher than a preacher. Or, or, so, so I do a lot of teaching here. But the problem with, with, with teaching and teaching and teaching that people can get knowledge and knowledge and knowledge, but knowledge that is not acted upon doesn't transfer into wisdom. It doesn't transfer into effectiveness. It doesn't transfer into change. And, and just like engage, that word engage, it's time to engage. You know, you can sit, you can start your car, and you can just rev it, right? You, you just rev that engine, engine put all those CO2s in the air, just black smoke, big old diesel ram. Boom! Boom! But the problem is, if you don't engage it into gear, you're not going anywhere. And I believe God's doing something God's doing something in the earth, doing something in His kingdom, doing something within the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is revving the engine, but we as members need to engage into what God is doing. We need to engage in what God is doing. In 1 Peter chapter 2, starting off in verse 4, it says, As you come to Him, speaking of God, the living stone, or speaking of Jesus, which is God, the living stone rejected house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a spiritual stone in the house of God. And you are being jointed, you are being fitted in to, to build up this spiritual house. Now some of those times, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've had to have a little bit of chiseling done on me. <laughs> right? So I fit better into the, into the house of God. And sometimes that chiseling isn't always pleasant, but it's always beneficial. Right? And he, he says that we are, we, we are a holy priesthood. Th- think of these words that he's saying. That we are a holy priesthood and we're being built into something. He goes on to say in verse 9 of the same chapter, a priesthood, we are a chosen race, a holy nation. So the question is, is what do you think of when you hear the word priest? What do you think of when you hear the word priest? You might think of a clergyman, a clergyman you know, and maybe the Roman Catholic Church or the Anglican Church or maybe Greek Orthodox Church. You know, people with certain garments on, they wear their collar backwards, maybe they wear a funny hat, right? What do you think of when you think of priests? You might be thinking of Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, you know, the, the, the priest offering sacrifices to their false gods. Maybe you, you go to the Old Covenant and, and Old Testament priests and, and, and where they were always uh, associated with offering sacrifices um, be, you know, but before um, Aaron and his descendants became uh, a priestly class of Israel. Um, we've seen in Genesis Melchizedek, right? Who was a king and priest. 
of Salem. You know, he, he was a type and shadow. He is a prophetic foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. We also learn that the Egyptians, they had priests as part of their religion, right? And, and then in Exodus, we learn of Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. He was not an Israelite, but he was a priest of Midian, right? And then later in, in, in the Bible, you, we learn about pagan priests of Baal, Dagon, and Zeus. And, and, and so what do you think of when you hear the word priest? See, priests stood out from the common people and their culture or their faith as, dis, as a distinct class of individuals. They were separate. They were special, right? These individuals were perceived to have special abilities that enabled them to serve as a link or a mediator between their God or their deities, right? They were, they were, the, they were the, the method of the common people to interact with God. So you had common people and you had, you had the priests, you had the special people, you had common people and you had the super-dupers, the ones that had a special connection with God, Right? In other words, if a common person, if, if, if I am a common person, there are certain spiritual blessings that I can't receive without the help of a mediator or a priest. I cannot approach God on my own or receive from Him without a priest having special powers or favor before God. Many Christians, unfortunately, relate to God like this today. They feel that they are not able to go to God directly, but they need someone else to intercede on their behalf. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, their, their understanding and their relationship with God is more based on an old covenant idea than a new covenant reality. In 1 Timothy 2.5 it says, For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and man, men, the man, Christ Jesus. So in the new covenant, there is a mediator between us and God. Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. No one else but Jesus is the link between you and God. And we just read in Peter, under the New Covenant, all believers are made kings and priests unto God. In other words, all believers have access to God for themselves. You have direct access to God for yourself. They don't have to go through a priest or a sacrificial system to get to God. Jesus cleared the way. Jesus is our only mediator. Jesus is the door. Jesus is our mediator between us and God. And as we read in Peter, we all are kings and priests. And Paul writes in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In the Old Testament, Priests offered sacrifices, right? And every Christian is a priest. 
But we don't offer sacrifices for sins, right? Since that's been done once and for all time. Jesus was the final sacrifice. He was the perfect sacrifice. All other sacrifices pointed to Jesus. But we are to be offering our person, ourselves as living sacrifices. With, with, with praise and with our possessions, we are living sacrifices unto God. And the problem with living sacrifices is that they like to crawl off the altar. Right? A living sacrifice likes to do its own thing. And so we as priests towards God, we have to choose to be living sacrifices unto Him. One of the things that I love most about our, our church family here is I love to see before the service or after the service, I love seeing you ministering to one another. I love, you, I love, I love, I love the talking. We, we, we're talkers here, right? We like to hang around. We like to talk. But I, as a pastor, it does my heart so... It makes it happy when I see you praying for one another. When I see you praying for one another. Or operating in, in a gift of, of simple prophecy, of just encouragement. Through the Spirit and through the Word of God. And the question that I want you to ask yourself right now is, are you tempted to believe that you can only receive something from God if someone else, perhaps a particular anointed minister, prays for you. Is that your bent? Is that the way that is that your belief system? I know, I know that makes it pretty blunt, but deep down in the core of your conscience. Do you feel that there is a separation between you and God and, and other people are closer to God than you are and, and if I really want my prayers answered, I need someone else to pray for me? If so, you need to fully embrace what Jesus taught. And In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, Therefore I tell you, whatever you pr- ask in prayer, believe you receive it, and it will be yours. Now, there's lots to break down here, and this isn't a message on prayer. But basically, first of all, you've got to ask. And if we, believed, if we believed that Jesus was telling the truth here, we would be praying. And statistically, Christians don't pray. So what does that say? We don't believe Jesus. He says, whatever you ask when you, when you pray. So first of all, you've got to ask. And then secondly, you've got to believe. Right? You receive it. That you have it. You've got to believe that you receive it. And it will be yours. But notice, it will be yours. When do you believe that you receive it? Before it's yours. Right. You believe when you pray, not when you have. You understand that? And we need to start believing. We need to start believing and taking God at His Word. That God would actually 
answer your prayers. This is the assurance that we have from Jesus. This is, this is why we don't pray in our name. You know, we don't say, hey God, it's Chad here. Will you do this for me? No, we pray in Jesus' name. We, we, pray, we don't pray on our merits. We, we pray on the merits of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our mediator. The one, the one we approach the Father. We approach the Father through Him. And, and you need to start seeing yourself as one that can go to God for others. Not one that needs others to go to God for you. You understand? There, there, there are, as you mature in your Christianity, there, 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 is, there is times where you're constantly asking to be prayed for. But as you mature in the things of God, in the Word of God, in the renewing of your mind, there has to come a time where you're no longer constantly dependent on others, but you, you are one that, is one that can be, others can be dependent on. You understand what I'm saying? We need to get to the point where we are praying for others rather than always looking for someone to pray to us. And Christianity is filled with believer, people, Christians, that are constantly going to and fro looking for someone to pray to them, for them. Constantly looking for the right person with the right anointing. Constantly going around looking for someone with the right prophetic word just for them. I'm telling you, even if you get that prophetic word, if you do not engage on your own, it, it, will, not, it will not come to pass. There has to be an engagement to it. We're constantly looking for someone to represent us before God instead of through our relationship with Jesus going directly to the throne of God. Dependence. Now I'm just going to get kind of real here. Unfortunately, there's many places in, of leadership in the body of Christ, either intentionally or unintentionally, that give those that they have been entrusted to a sense of they are the man or woman of God and you need me. There, there, there's this. I don't know if it's insecurity. I don't know. I don't know if it's just not understanding what the Bible is teaching. But there's a sense in, of in many areas of those in leadership where they're constantly trying to make those that are entrusted to them that they're supposed to be discipling, that they're supposed to be helping to mature, that they're supposed to be growing up to the full stature of Christ that they are constantly trying to get them to look at them as the anointed man or woman of God. Don't get me wrong. I believe in the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is vital to the body of Christ. But the fivefold ministry is not there to make the body of Christ dependent upon them. The fivefold ministry is there to... Well, let's look at it. Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to make 
the body of Christ dependent on them. No, what does it say? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He's saying that there's people out there that are trying to carry you away by their own cunning, by their own craftiness, by their own deceitful schemes. And that true, true leaders within the body of Christ in the fivefold ministry is not, are not trying to carry you away unto themselves. They are trying to point you to Christ and who you are in Christ and grow you up in the knowledge of Him. The fivefold ministry is to be equipping the body of Christ to become dependent on Jesus, not on them. To teach the body of Christ to engage into the kingdom. They are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, build up the body of Christ. They are to bring unity of the faith. They are, this, is, this is key. You're going to see this through Paul's, uh, Peter's writing. To increase the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the problem. Is that our focus needs to be on Jesus. The knowledge of what He has accomplished. The knowledge of what He has done. The knowledge of what He has done for us. Who He is in us. And who we are in Him. The new creation realities of Christ. They are to mature the church to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ so that we would no longer be children. So children are unstable. They're unable to stand on their own. They are easily deceived out of who they are in Christ. Now I'm going to get some people upset, but this is me pastoring. Something that's really popular I don't know if you guys pay attention. I, I pay attention to what's happened in the kingdom of God. And one of the, one, what's very popular right now is this thing called deliverance ministries. Deliverance ministries. And, they, and everybody thinks it's a new thing. It's not a new thing. It's actually an old thing. It, it, it was very popular in the 80s and 90s. And we've seen this dog and pony show before. These are ministries that say the reason that you're struggling... The reason that you are sinning or the reason you have bad habits is because you need deliverance. You need deliverance. Now, if you're not a believer, if you're not born again, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, there, you might need deliverance. But here's the truth. It's not unbelievers that are running to these deliverance ministries. It's believers. Believers are the ones that are running to be delivered. Listen to me. If you are a Christian, you do not need deliverance. Listen to what Paul writes by the Holy Spirit in Colossians. 
And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Does he say pray for your deliverance? No. He says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. There's the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ again. So that so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing to Him. So you want to get rid of your bad behaviors? You want to get rid of sin in your life? Those habits? Those destructive behaviors? It says, increase in the knowledge of Christ. Increase in the knowledge of Him. Walk in spiritual understanding. Fully pleasing to Him. Bearing fruit in every good work. Increasing in the knowledge of God. This is, this is called discipleship. This is called renewing your mind. He goes on to say, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight, right? You didn't become a blunder overnight and you're not going to become a wonder overnight, right? There's things you've got to renew your mind. The spiritual renewal and spiritual um, blessing and spiritual, spiritual strength is a lot like physical strength, right? If you don't exercise it, it, does, it, it doesn't produce. And the same thing with spiritual strength. You need to exercise it. You need to engage in it. You need to work it. It only works if you work it. And he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. Listen to this. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You were delivered. You were delivered once and for all when you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you were born again, you were delivered. You were transferred from the dominion of darkness into the, to the dominion, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the beloved Son of, of God. You don't need deliverance. You need to believe that you have been delivered. Jesus did it single-handedly and you had nothing to do with it. Paul says that you have been delivered from the power of darkness once and for all by Jesus. Now you need to mature. You need to grow up in the reality through through the ever-increasing knowledge of God. There is only one way to overcome the flesh. And it's not by having someone special pray for you. It's through discipleship and the renewing of your mind. But we like that. We like microwave Christianity. I've been practicing this bad behavior, this sinful behavior over and over and over again. Let's just go have someone wave their hand over me and pray for me and then I don't have to do nothing. I just walk away and it just magically disappears. No. You, are, you, you, you have a will. You have to choose. You have to choose. Are you going to choose destructive behaviors? Or are you going to choose God? Are you going to choose to be a living sacrifice offering yourself up to God? Or are you going to sacrifice the, the blessings of the kingdom and indulge your sinful behavior? Are you going to believe that you are a sinner? Or are you going to believe the truth? that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is only one way to come come in the flesh, 
And it's through discipleship. It's through the renewing of your mind. You do not act differently than you think. Your actions are a corresponding... What is it? The law of cause and effect. See, religion teaches you that if I can just discipline myself and not do these things, then I will become more like the image of Christ. But if you do not change your mind, you do not renew your mind to your thinking, and you're constantly thinking in the old way, the old man, you can't discipline yourself enough to ever cure yourself. You have to see that you've been cured through the power of Jesus Christ. That you've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. You have to see yourself as the righteousness of God. You have to start believing differently because your actions are a corresponding result of your believing. The cause, what is it? Cause and effect. The cause is your believing, the effect is your life. You understand that? We need to know that God has made who God has made us to be so we can do what God wants us to do. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, it says, For Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. If there's a firstborn, that means there's a secondborn, there's a thirdborn, and somewhere in there you were born from the dead. The ruler of kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom of priests to His God and Father, to Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Who are you? Who are you? According to the Bible, you're a king and priest unto God. You are a king and a priest unto God. So here's a question. You guys love my question. Have you embraced this profound truth? Have you embraced it? Have you taken this on as your identity? How few Christians realize this reality and have embraced the privileges and the responsibilities of their priesthood that's ascribed to us in the New Testament. Followers of Jesus, all those who are born again, have both the privilege of accessing the presence and the blessings of God, as well as the responsibility of sharing and conveying those blessings to others. That's what it means to be a king and priest. Our priesthood, though, our priesthood should not drive us into spiritual seclusion or make others unnecessary. It's interesting that there's some people that think that they get so spiritual that they don't need the body of Christ. They don't need to be joined to a local church. They don't need other believers in, in their lives. And that just proves how immature that they are. And I can tell you, there is no one, there is no one that separates them from the body of Christ and gets closer to God. 
Because this is where we work out. This is where the, the chiseling happens. This is where we're fitted together. This is where you know, we're supposed to love each other, but so-and-so acted ugly to me, and now I've got to forgive them. This is, where, this is where we come together as the body of Christ in unity. See, the truth of the matter is that it's a shared status that enables us to have rich fellowship with one another. And that we need this interaction with one another. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says that we are individual members of one another. He's talking about the body and how Peter talked about living stones. Um, Paul was talking about using the eye and the ear and the foot. That you, that you can't say that, the, that I have no need of you. The body of Christ can't say that we have no need of you. And you, as an eye, can't say that I have no need of the body. Because when you are severed from the body, you die. Priesthood makes us equally valued and loved by God, but it does not make us clones of each other in terms of functions and ability. Do you understand that? We are, we are members of one body, but we all have different functions in that body. Right? What happens if, if, if your, your lungs tried to be a heart and was constantly trying to pump blood? You'd get no oxygen. And the body would suffer. It would die. And the same thing, if Christians are just trying to be clones and just trying to be like everyone else, like someone else, instead of being who God has called them to be in the body, the body suffers. There are different individuals in the body of Christ having certain gifts that equip them for certain types of ministry for leadership. And as Peter said, there's individual living stones, but we're all being built together up into one house. And here are some things that we are called to do as a community of fellow priests. It says, let us. This is talking to the body. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is one of the things that we do as the body. We come together to the throne of God. Let us go on to perfection. You are perfected by being joined to the body of Christ. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear. Let us continue, continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. These are all responsibilities of every one of us to fulfill our priestly roles in the body of Christ. We should also receive the grace, the gift of the grace of God that makes that God makes available to us, keeping in mind that we all have different functions within the body. 
For example, teachers can teach, evangelists can evangelize, pastors can pastors, and those with serving hearts can serve. We share a common priesthood, but we have different expressions of this Christian service. However, no, no believer, no believer is called to pass, passivity, to be disengaged in this awesome family of God. We are all called to be engaged. So the question, are you engaged in this priestly role in these priestly roles that each of us are called to, to carry out in the body of Christ? Or do you think this, these roles are someone else's responsibility? What's your responsibility? You know, when I, last Sunday I said that throughout this ser- series, you, there's going to be opportunities for you to be offended. And here's one. So before I say this, everyone say, I love Pastor Chad. What would you say if I got up here and I said, there are some of you that God can use. There are some of you that God wants to use. There are some of you that have great value to the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. But there's others of you, and I can point you out if you want me to, that God has no use for. You have no value. You have, you, you, you have no purpose. I don't, really, I don't even know why you're here. Would you be offended if I said that to you? Would that offend you? Answer truthfully. If, if, if I came up to you and said, you know, I love you, but you know, you're worthless. God has, has no, no, no purpose for you. You, have no, you. you add no value to this, to this body of believers. You're like a club foot. We drag you around. You, you would be offended. You, you would never come back here again. You would go around and tell everybody what I said about you. Okay. Now here comes the hard part. If you would be offended at me if I said that about you, and you're sitting here, and you do not know what your purpose is in the body of Christ, you should be just as offended at yourself. I love you. And I want you to engage. I want you to experience. I want you to be everything that God has called you to be. Again, those in positions of spiritual leadership are to help cultivate the priesthood of every believer, not diminish, diminish, diminish their sense of their priesthood. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm trying to show. I'm trying to build you up. I'm trying to encourage you and who you are in Christ Jesus. So what does our priesthood mean? Our priesthood means that we have the privilege of direct access to God through Jesus Christ. 
Our priesthood also conveys our responsibility of being Christ's representative in the earth. So what are the functions of our priesthood? We function as priests when we offer our very selves, including our bodies, to God. We function as priests when we worship, when we praise, when we pray. We function as priests when we serve. We, pr- we function as priests when we give. We function as priests when we evangelize. When we discipleship. When we disciple others. Why do we do these things? Because we're priests of our God. And these are the things that priests do. So now we're coming in for a landing here. And we're going to read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 again. And this time it's going to be in the message uh, paraphrase or message version or paraphrase version. And, and I just want you to see what God expects from each one of us as, 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 a, as priests and kings unto our God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Take your every day, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walk around life, and place it before God as an offering. That's our role as priests unto our God. We are to walk out our priesthood in everything that we do. Amen? Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.